Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Have you heard you can listen to your favorite news podcasts ad-free? Good news. With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts. That's amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. This is the Tom Hartman Program. Greetings, my friends, patriots, lovers of democracy, truth and justice, believers in peace, freedom and the American way. Tom Hartman here with you. The president is selling out the Kurds in Syria and Lindsey Graham and a number of other Republicans are having nothing to do with it. Apparently, Erdogan is saying, hey, I'll stop picking on Mohammed bin Salman in Saudi Arabia if you'll just let me kill all those Kurds. A lot of other news in the world. The Department of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms issued a new regulation saying that if 90 days from now you own or sell bump stocks, these are the things that allowed the uh, Las Vegas shooter to kill 58 people really, really rapidly. They basically turn a semi-automatic weapon into an automatic weapon that if you own or sell one of these things, you're looking at 10 years in jail and $250,000 in fines. On the line with us is Craig J. Deleuze, the uh, legislative and public affairs guy at Firearms Policy Coalition, a pro-gun group. Firearmspolicy.org is the website. You can tweet him at Craig Deleuze, D-E-L-U-Z. Craig, welcome to the program. Pleasure to be here. Thank you. So I don't get it. Bump stocks allow people who want to murder a lot of people to do it really, really fast and really, really efficiently. They take semi-automatic weapons, even, you know, like AR-15 semi-automatic weapons that are technically weapons of war, up to weapons of screaming warfare. Why, what conceivable reason could you have for defending these things? Well, first of all, I think a number of your statements demonstrate that you probably know very little about firearms. The first thing is, is You're that, wrong. Uh, it does, it will, I didn't interrupt you, so you don't, don't interrupt me. Craig, it's my show. I'll do whatever I damn well please. Go ahead. Starting number one, the first thing to note is that it does not turn into an automatic weapon. An automatic weapon is defined as one trigger pull and multiple rounds, multiple rounds come out. A semi-automatic firearm is one trigger pull, one round. A bump stock does not turn, it does not in any way change that. So that's the first. Wait thing. a minute. How's that possible? I mean, number by two, your definition, one trigger pull, one. if you've got a bump stock, it's basically a spring recoil device that has got the gun banging against your finger, doesn't it? It still requires multiple trigger pulls. That but that's a technicality. That, I mean, legal, it allows legal, bullets to come out. That is the legal definition. That is the legal definition. That is the legal definition of what a, the difference between a semi-automatic weapon and an automatic weapon. Now, the AR-15, by the way... That's not the assertion that ATF is making, though. It was not designed for the military. It was designed for the individual, for the consumer, not for the military. For the mass murderer consumer. Let's put it this way. There's only been one incident where a bump stock has been used. One. There have been multiple mass murders where other firearms were used, and they didn't include bump stocks. Now, understanding that and understanding that your ignorance of firearms aside, Understand that when something is defined in statute, and machine guns are defined in statute, statute passed by the legislative branch. They're the ones who write the laws, in case you didn't know. The executive branch, which is the ATF, does not get to change those definitions that are in statute. They don't get to do that. And that's, in fact, what the president ordered the ATF to do, was to redefine machine guns to include bump stocks. Well, that's the violation of the separation. Of you know, the Craig, you're, you're much more well-versed on the law in this than I am, uh, notwithstanding your snarkiness here. 
But well, you my understanding was that this was, from what I've read, and I've only read it in the, in the press, I have not read the actual regulation, but what I've read in the press is not that they're saying when you put a bump stock on an AR-15, you have turned it into a fully automatic weapon. What they're saying is it has the effect of turning it into a fully automatic weapon. In other words, more bullets come out of the barrel faster. You can kill more people more rapidly, which raises the larger question, why the hell do we have weapons of war on the streets of America to begin with. Well, and once again, you demonstrate you call them weapons of war. Well, uh, yeah, Glock that's what I'm calling gun, it. A semi-automatic handgun is used in war. Define what is a weapon of war, please. I mean, since you seem to, you know... Why are you defending are weapons that can kill a lot of people really rapidly? I don't understand this. What What is in it for you? What do no, you care about here? What's driving you to want to defend a weapon that, by and large, would only be used by a mass murderer? Or, you know, I've gone to shooting ranges and fired fully automatic Uzis and Thompsons and whatnot, and it's great fun. I get that, and I've got no problem with somebody even having a bump stock in a shooting range if it were legal. But a range is a whole different thing than walking out into the public or kicking the window out of a hotel in Las Vegas and taking out 58 people. Why would you want that? Why do you want that in the streets of the cities where you're walking? No one wants that, and I think that it is disingenuous for you to assume or insinuate that someone does. The issue. Then what is the reason that you're defending these? I was about to tell you before you interrupted me. See, the thing is, is that understand this: that a lot of gun owners that I know, I don't own a bump stock. And quite frankly, I don't want to own a bump stock. But the problem is this, is that when you allow, if we allow this president to violate separation of powers, to break the law in order to ban something that we don't care about or that we don't even like, then what's to stop him or a future president from doing the exact same thing to a firearm part that we do care about? Congress explicitly authorized the ATF to regulate firearms. If they are allowed to do this with, say, a bump stock, which is a firearm accessory, then what's to say they can't do it with a trigger group? What's to say they can't do it with a certain stock? What's to say they can't do it with various different firearm parts? There's absolutely nothing. And all we're saying Craig, are you taking you the position are, that think, Brett Kavanaugh if takes? Things, if you think these things are bad enough, then you need to go through the legislative branch. You need to pass a law, and that's how you need to do it. That's, okay, so hang on just a second here. Brett Kavanaugh is making the argument and has made the argument in D.C. when he was on the bench in the D.C. Circuit. This is something that, you know, a number of these Federalist Society judges are very into these days, is that if the empowering legislation, um, in the case of Kavanaugh, he's talking about EPA, but in your case, we'd be talking about ATF. If the legislation that authorizes EPA to regulate pollutants just uses that word, or if the authorizing legislation that authorizes the Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms Department to regulate weapons, guns, you know, in quotes. If that regulation doesn't explicitly say, in the case of EPA with Kavanaugh, doesn't explicitly say methane, carbon dioxide, you know, it doesn't explicitly name the chemicals, then the agency doesn't have the authority to do it. That's his legal perspective. It sounds to me like you're taking that exact same argument and applying it to ATF. Do I have that right? Once again, I'm not sure exactly what you're referring to in terms of Brett Kavanaugh, but it sounds similar. The fact is, is that the legislative branch writes the laws, because how do you know in that particular case, how do you know what is a, quote unquote, under the definition of the gases or whatnot that they're regulating? In this particular case, there is a specific definition of what is a machine gun in law passed by the legislative branch. We're not talking about. But that's not what ATF is using to ban these. We're not talking about a regulatory agency defining something that's not already defined in statute. We're actually talking about them redefining. That's not what ATF is using to ban these. They're using their authority to regulate guns broadly and gun accessories. I mean, this is a gun accessory that they're regulating. Redefining something that's already defined in statute. No, well, the ATF is given by statute the ability to write regulations. It's not like they are defining something that is undefined, that they're filling in a gap, a loophole that's left open in this particular case. What they're doing is they're redefining something that is already defined and they don't get to do it. It, it would be just like, telling, uh, just like telling, well, you know, you can redefine what is their religion. Right, except that I don't think that there's a Bureau of Religion. But uh, Craig Toulouse, legislative and public affairs guy with the Firearms Policy Coalition, firearmspolicy.org. You can tweet him at Craig, D-E-L-U-Z. Craig, thanks for being here. Thanks for dropping by. Pleasure. Bye-bye. We'll be back. This is the Tom Hartman Program.
you know, recap this very, very quickly, because I think I finally understood. I was trying to figure out, you know, why would any guy want to come on a radio show and say, yeah, we should have more weapons that kill lots and lots of people really, really fast on the streets of America. It seems crazy. The argument that Brett Kavanaugh is making, well, let me back up. Congress doesn't have the time, right? I mean, you got the whole spectrum of America that Congress has to worry about. Everything from budgets to guns to the environment to food to, I mean, you name it, right? Congress doesn't have the time to be saying, well, nitrates in meat cause cancer. How much nitrate would be an acceptable amount? Oh, there's another chemical that causes cancer in, in uh, processed meats. And by the way, we, we know this to be the case now. Uh, how much you know, should that be? So what Congress does is they say to the U.S. Department of Agriculture, you do the studies, you bring in the expert witnesses, you take the thousands of hours of testimony. We don't have the ability to do this, we're Congress. You do that and you come up with regulations and rules that will appropriately keep the, the public safe from getting colorectal cancer when they, or breast cancer, or prostate cancer, when they eat processed meats. Uh, they say to the EPA, you bring forward the expert witnesses and you determine if carbon dioxide is a greenhouse gas. They don't even say if carbon, you determine what greenhouse gases are and you figure out how to regulate them because we don't have the time, nor do we have the expertise. And they say to the Department of Alcohol, Tobacco and Firearms, you are authorized, and this was back in the 1920s or 1930s when ATF was created. You are authorized, you know, Bonnie and Clyde are out there shooting people up, John Dillinger and whatnot. We got a problem. You guys call the expert witnesses. You figure out what kind of guns should be legal or illegal in the United States and what gun accessories associated with them and what kind of bullets. And, you know, should we have 50 caliber uh, guns and should people be able to hold shoulder fired launchers and, and et, cetera, et cetera, You make that decision. You regulate guns, ATF. Now, comes along these lawyers in the Federalist Society, and, you know, I don't think Craig Deleuze has any association with them, but because he's just a gun guy, but the logic that they're saying is, and Brett Kavanaugh actually ruled this way, he was overruled. It was a three-judge panel on the D.C. Circuit. He was one out of, you know, one vote out of three, and he lost. But the argument that he made with regard to greenhouse gases was that because the legislation that authorizes the Environmental Protection Agency to look into greenhouse gases doesn't specifically say, and by the way, please regulate carbon dioxide, because the legislation doesn't say that. Instead, it says, you guys bring in the experts. You figure out what's going on. We don't have the time to do it. But because the legislation didn't name carbon dioxide, Brett Kavanaugh said, therefore, the EPA cannot regulate it which is exactly the same thing that Craig Deleuze is saying, because the ATF's authorizing legislation that says you regulate guns doesn't specifically mention bump stocks, they can't be regulated. It, in my mind, this is a complete BS argument, both from Brett Kavanaugh with regard to the EPA and with Craig Deleuze with regard to ATF. The other thing I wanted to add with regard to Syria, Jared Kushner needs a billion dollars. It looks like he's trying to get it from Saudi Arabia and the United Arab Emirates, who are like, you know, close, tight like thieves is the old expression, good buddies. Saudi Arabia wants Turkey to shut the hell up about Mohammed bin Salman murdering Jamal Khashoggi's in the Saudi embassy in Turkey. They want him to shut up. They want Erdogan to shut up. This is how it looks to me. Tell me what you think. First, Erdogan says to Trump, give me Gulan, give me the dissident cleric that is living in Pennsylvania, and I'll shut up about Saudi Arabia. Because Trump and Jared Kushner, his son-in-law and his daughter, desperately need money from Saudi Arabia and from the Emirates. And probably wants to build a Trump Tower there and probably has a development deal in the background. We just discovered that he actually signed that development deal for Trump Tower. So then that story gets exposed and Trump says to Erdogan, I'm sorry, I can't do that. I can't give them to you because, you know, the news is talking about it. I was going to, but I can't. What else would you like? And Erdogan says, well, you know, I hate the Kurds. He's got all these Kurds on his southern border who want to create their own independent country. And he's been for years trying to kill his own Kurds. But, you know, he's part of NATO and you just can't quite do that. You can't commit genocide in your own country. But the other half of Kurdistan is in northern Syria, right on the Turkish border. And those Kurds are the ones who helped us fight ISIS. That's where our troops are. We're protecting those Kurds. And Erdogan says, 
pull out of northern Syria so that I can go in and slaughter the Kurds. And Trump says, okay, cool, we'll do that. That's what it looks like to me, and that's what it looks like to a lot of other defense experts. And if so, if this is being done as a transaction so that the Trump organization and Jared Kushner can get money out of the Middle East, or if this is being done as a transaction because we just signed a $3 billion deal with uh, Turkey to sell them advanced missiles, which we just did, if that's what the hell is going on, we've got a serious problem. Uh, we'll get into all these things in more detail as we go through the program today. Stick around. We all want to find the perfect unicorn gift to give at the holiday gift exchange or to family and friends that will really stand out, right? I have one that will be the talk of the office, a hit with friends and family, and will actually be useful. Tiger Lady. Tiger Lady has been featured in Runner's World Gift Guide two years now. You may know Tiger Lady as the revolutionary self-defense tool based on a cat's retractable claws. When you make a fist, three claws come out like a real-life wolverine. It's lightweight and designed to collect DNA. Tiger Lady doesn't require training, and it's legal in all 50 states. It's recommended by police and self-defense instructors, making it the perfect stocking stuffer for anyone on your list. Tiger Lady will make your loved ones feel aware and confident when they walk alone. Order by December 14th for free shipping and time for Christmas. Go to TigerLady.com or use the code CHEER, C-H-E-E-R, for a 25% savings and to receive a free whistle LED flashlight keychain while supplies last. Give the gift of safety this year by giving Tiger Lady. Remember, use the code CHEER, C-H-E-E-R, and go to TigerLady.com. That's TigerLady.com. Tom Harbin here with you. For those of you who are new to the program, I've been debating conservatives on this show for 15 years, and somebody on Twitter said, you know, why do I have to listen to a gun lobbyist? And my simple answer is so that you and others, and maybe you don't need to know this, but uh, a lot of other people do, um, whether it's debating homophobes or, or debating, uh, you know, gun freaks or debating, I mean, you know, pick your poison, so that I can model how you can talk back in a way that's civil, in a way that doesn't leave blood on the floor, in a way that you could even talk back to Uncle Ralph over Christmas dinner the, you know, next Tuesday. That's one of my goals with this program, is to help us all learn how to rebut the BS. So this whole bump stock thing, this is fascinating. The argument that Craig Deleuze seems to be making, if I get this right, is basically that the ATF does not have the authority to regulate guns even though that authority is explicitly given to them in the law that authorizes them. And by the way, that legislation was passed in like the 1930s, as I recall, when the ATF was created, maybe the 1920s. It was back in the days of Bonnie and Clyde. He's saying that they don't have the right to, to write these regulations, which is explicit in the law. It's the same thing with the, here's how it works. If Brett Kavanaugh is right, and this is this new legal theory, by the way, that you're going to see popping up all over the Supreme Court in the near future. If Brett Kavanaugh is right and, and Congress, when they say to the EPA, in the case of Kavanaugh, they say, okay, EPA, you have the authority. We don't have the time. We, Congress, do not. I mean, we got all kinds of laws to pass, all kinds of things to look at, government to run. We don't have the time to bring hundreds of experts before us take thousands of hours of testimony from expert witnesses and figure out exactly which gases where should be regulated or which guns how should be regulated. We just don't have the time to do that. I mean, we're just Congress. We're just 535 people. And we, you know, we are four, you know, we, we 435 in the house and hundred in the Senate. We don't have the ability to do that. So we're authorizing you EPA and you ATF to bring forward your expert witnesses, to take the testimony, to make an informed decision, and to write regulations that protect us from you know, atmospheric destruction or poisoning, or protect us from weapons that, that can kill lots and lots of people really fast, because we've got a problem with that in the United States. So that's what Congress says. And then the Brett Kavanaugh's and the Craig DeLuzes, apparently, of the world come along and say, but wait a minute, you didn't mention the word bump stock in that law. No, of course not. I mean, bump stocks probably didn't even exist when the legislation authorizing ATF came along. So this is the, 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 weird, the weird logic that is being followed here. I, I find it just bizarre.
Steve in Chicago. Hey, Steve, what's on your mind? Yes, I wanted to make the point uh, with regard to your previous guest that uh, we need to look at the intent of the law as it was written. I mean, we have all sorts of examples wherein people circumvent the law because, quite frankly, human uh, the technology and behavior gets ahead of the law sometimes. Yep. You know, people start, people would send images of uh, children. They were engaged in uh, in the trafficking of children and uh, their imagery online. Technically, we had not prohibited that because the law at the time did not take into account the internet because no one had conceived of the internet we had to catch up with that behavior in terms of the law in terms of this case we have to look at the intent of the lawmakers what was their intent their intent was to prohibit the sale and possession of rapid fire weapons and what does the bump stock do it circumvents the law because technically he was right in that yes it doesn't turn a semi-automatic into a fully automatic weapon but it almost does that well, and it can it can actually do that. It can actually do that with a one inch piece of uh, of dowel, or frankly, a, a coat hanger. All you have to do is attach it to the bump stock, wrap it around the trigger, um, you know, very lightly, so that it's not quite pulling the trigger. You pull the trigger once, the bump stock pops back, and it keeps pulling that that wire, that coat hanger, that dowel, and boom, you've got an automatic, a fully automatic weapon. One trigger pull, the entire clip gets emptied. Exactly. Exactly. And that's my point is that what, what was the intent of the lawmakers? And as you pointed out, I mean, we're not going to have, a, you know, Congress meeting every time we discover that parts per billion of X chemical is, should now be banned. You know, otherwise Congress would never get anything done. Although that's what Brett Kavanaugh wants. You know, that's exactly my point. And, yeah. and that's why we need to ask ourselves, you know, how legitimate is this argument given the intent of the lawmakers? The intent of the lawmakers was to keep people from having guns that can shoot rapidly in a fashion that is commensurate with fully automatic weapons. So even if you concede that this is not a fully automatic weapon, it is close enough there where it violates the intent. Yeah. And, there, and therefore, it is perfectly legitimate to, to ban this. So, I mean, I don't understand the argument he's making other, other than, you know, the, the, the splitting of hairs because they want to, these are people that are strict constructionists, you know, relative to the Constitution. Right. Um, and, and of course, you know, uh, if you want to use that as your, as a logic, that means you have to throw out the intent of the lawmakers. If it, but, and we know. Well, and you, have to, and you have to also ignore, the, you know, if you want to go to 40,000 feet and look at this, where did the original authorizing legislation for alcohol, tobacco, and firearms come from? The general welfare provision of the Constitution. One of the purposes of government is to promote the general welfare of the people. If people are being shot at as they walk down the street, their welfare is endangered. I mean, the, you know, so this is, this is clearly not only legal, but constitutional. Steve, I got to move along, but thank you for the call. Dave in Sheboygan, Wisconsin. Hey, Dave, what's up? The gun's not being designed for war? Yeah. The semi-automatic? I read an article on the family, and I don't know if this is the AK-47 or the AR, which one it is, but this guy did design it for the military, yep. never kept one in his house. They said he would be rolling in his grave right now if he knew these were being sold to the average public. Yeah. They were never designed for that, and this is right from his kids. Yeah, I agree, and and uh, my, my belief is, or my opinion is that semi-automatic weapons should be as illegal as, autom as fully automatic weapons, which is to say they're not actually illegal. You can get a permit to own a fully automatic Uzi or Thompson. It costs $200. You just have to go to the ATF. You have to provide them with fingerprints. They have to do a full FBI background check. You have to demonstrate that there's a reason why you're going to have it, and they have to approve of that reason. I mean, you know, you have to jump through a bunch of hoops, but if you have, you know, if you're if you run a gun range, you can you can have a Thompson. I've shot them in gun ranges. Yeah, he was just saying that they were never designed for the military. Well, one of the two was, and this is right from his family. So there, there you go, Dave. Thanks a lot for the. Uh, do you know, happen to know who the name of the guy is who designed them? No, I can't remember. I read the article about two months ago, and I remember they're from Florida. That's all I know. If you get it, would you tweet me? Sure, we'll do it. Great. I read my Twitter okay, feed. Bye. Thanks a lot, Dave. I appreciate it. Tom Harvin here with you, and Congressman Mark Pocan is with us taking your calls. Congressman, welcome back to the program. Oh, thanks, Tom. Glad to be here. Thank you for joining us. So, first question, PAYGO, the House rules, this requirement, which appears to only apply to Democrats, <laughs> that if you're going to propose legislation or tax cuts or anything else, you have to figure out a way to pay for it. Is this going to survive the House rules? I mean, I'd like to see this thing just die an ignominious death. 
Well, I think, Tom, you kind of have to look at, there's a bunch of rules that have been proposed, a bunch that are kind of consensus, quite a bit, actually, that the Progressive Caucus initiated are in the rules package right now. Jim McGovern from Massachusetts has been leading that project. Uh, We got rid of, I think, what was the worst one, which was 60% rule on any tax increase. And there was a rule the Republicans had, and of course they violated when they did their tax cut for the wealthiest because it raised taxes on other people. So why you know, have a rule that they've already violated in there and they've decided not to move forward with anything around that. The one that we have also talked to leadership about that we'd like to see go is one called PAYGO, which, as you mentioned, uh, makes us have to do cuts to either mandatory spending if you're going to do any increases in spending in other places. It also is in statute. So, you know, there is a little bit of a distinction that it's in statute, and this is in the rules process. There have been, I think, 14 times it was waived previously, so it is a rule you can waive, so it's not like it's in cement, but still it doesn't seem to match what we're talking about trying to go in and do, and we'd like to have a cleaner set of rules, but those debates will all happen. I think we're supposed to have the process of that done by February 15th, if not sooner, and uh, that'll take place once we reconvene the new Congress after January 3rd. Okay, and then uh, the shutting down of the government. This The last time this happened was in 2013. Ted Cruz made it happen. I'm not sure the time before that. This all started with Newt Gingrich in, as I recall, 96 or 97, uh, as, you know, basically, a, I think it was a campaign stunt for the 96 elections. I, yeah, correct me if I'm wrong. But, you know, the Republicans love to do this. Donald Trump is very fond of it. He's seen Fox News just fawn over, over Ted Cruz back in 2013 when he did it. And I'm reading now over at Daily Kos that the new strategy that the people in the White House have come up with, because the Republicans, they're starting to freak out about a government shutdown. They see that it's stupid and it doesn't always work to their advantage, that the staff inside the White House is now lying to Donald Trump. They're telling him, and apparently Sarah Sanders said this to the press, they're telling him that, if I'm reading this Daily Coast story right, they're telling him that uh, there's lots of places where we can come up with $5 billion. We've got a huge federal budget. Don't worry. We'll take care of it the new year. Just sign the... You know, and, and Trump, like he doesn't read, you know, and if Fox News go, tells go him back it's a golf, right? go back to golf. <laughs> right. Exactly. Hey, you've got a 16 day vacation coming up at Mar-a-Lago. Don't you want to get on the damn plane? So uh, what do you think? Are we going to see a government shutdown or is Trump going to get suckered by his own staff? I think, you know, no one really wants it. It really does hurt the economy. And even a short shutdown could affect, you know, almost a half a percent of our GDP out of the fourth quarter. And I've seen other estimates as well. Equally bad. It's never a good thing. And the party that does it, it's not seen favorably. So, you know, last week a Republican told me in their caucus meeting, they were all told, don't forget, it's the Schumer shutdown. It's the Schumer shutdown. (laughs) And then Donald Trump had his meeting where he goes, this is my shutdown. I'm going to shut it down. So I think they lost all their messaging on it. They're just trying to figure out how to get out of this. You know, even the Republicans in the last appropriations bill, and I serve on the appropriations committee, put language in that the additional money we put for support at the border could not go to any design after March of 2017 which is when the wall design came out. So even Republicans know this is a dumb idea. So I think that they're finally getting to the point that the president's going to be told, we'll pat you on the head, we'll figure out your wall a little later, but you know, go back and golf, like you said. And I think uh, it'll be all right. But at the same time, the problem Paul Ryan has is last week uh, for the Farm Bill, 17 of his Republicans who lost didn't even bother to show up. So mm-hmm. he's having an attendance problem. And, you know, it just, again, continues to show how dysfunctional Paul Ryan, Mitch McConnell, and Donald Trump are in governing. Well, the fact that almost half of the Republicans who lost their elections aren't even showing up also shows yeah. to me that they have no interest in democracy, to hell with democracy. They just wanted the power, the prestige, the status, and the ability to leverage having been a congressman into a million-dollar-a-year job as a lobbyist. That's why they ran for office. Yeah, it's truly dysfunctional, and I've had two calls in the last week from people saying, can you ask this Democrat on this committee to move my bill? I heard they're holding it up. We're in the minority, but because they can't even govern while they're in the majority in the House, the Senate, and the White House, they have to find someone to blame because it can't be Paul Ryan's incompetence as a speaker. So it's pretty comical. I think they want to get their members out of town. I think if they could, they would fly us in, bus us to vote, bus us back to the airport before you talk to anyone because it causes them less problems. I'm guessing at the end of the day, there won't be a shutdown because it would be really, really bad for the economy. Amazing. Absolutely amazing. So it's Congressman Mark Pocan, the co-chair of the Congressional Progressive Caucus representing Wisconsin in the U.S. House of Representatives. Ready to pick up some phone calls here, sir? Absolutely. Okay. James in Lakewood, Washington. James, you're on the air. 
Hey, uh, I was wondering if you guys, either of you or anyone out there, including the congressman, had seen reflections of the Southern strategy. Because I've had people in the area tell me that their daughters, their children, are being told to change early history. And the Southern strategy was if you take away the past, take away the history, you control the future. And I was wondering if with the judges' rulings in Texas and different ones like that, if you guys have seen or noticed the Southern strategy. Hmm. Hmm. I can't say I've seen it specifically right now as a strategy, but I've seen the Republicans do this for quite a while, right? I mean, whether it be alternative facts or fake news, they are trying to go after the places people get information, and they want you only to go to them to get the information, which is why uh, the president uses Twitter so effectively. So, you know, I've certainly seen that strategy for the last two years, and I'm not surprised by much of anything, unfortunately, these days. I can't say that that strategy I've seen specifically in operation, but I've seen plenty of strategies to try to make people not believe the truth or not believe facts and history, I guess, to your question, James, but they want you to go to only one source, and Donald Trump would like he to be that source. Right. Or Fox News, right? (laughs) Yeah. You're listening to Tom Hartman. As you probably know, Louise and I are basically vegans who eat fish once a month, but odds are you're not. Omaha Steaks has a really great product for the holidays for for those of you who eat meat. This is the gift that families across America have loved for over 100 years. Right now, Omaha Steaks has an amazing limited time offer for my listeners when you go to omahasteaks.com. Enter the code REPORT and you'll get 74% off Omaha Steaks family gift package. Originally $195, now just $49.99. Order now and you'll get four hand-cut tender top sirloin steaks, two savory premium pork chops, four chicken fried steaks, four Omaha steak burgers, four kielbasa sausages, all beef meatballs, four potatoes au gratin, four caramel apple tartlets, plus four more burgers for free. Omaha Steaks is a fifth-generation family-owned company with over 100 years of experience delivering perfectly aged beef hand-cut by master butchers in Omaha. This offer ends soon. Go to omahasteaks.com, enter the code REPORT, R-E-P-O-R-T, REPORT, in the search bar, and get 74% off Omaha Steaks family gift package. That's omahasteaks.com, code REPORT. Russ, in Hickory Hills, Illinois, you're on the air with Congressman Pokin. Hi, yes, Mr. Polkett. It's nice to talk to you. I was wondering now if you guys control the house and that. Are you going to bring in his three kids and his son-in-law for all their activities, like, you know, with the inauguration with his daughter? Because his daughter and, and his her husband, they're guilty of something. Are you guys going to drill them, or is that off limits for you guys? Because uh, they don't see you guys losing a Senate seat for the next seven election. It's all Republicans. So what are you guys going to do about his kids and son-in-law? Yeah, Russ, so far I haven't seen a lot of limits on things that are reasonable. I think you know one of the things that we've been pretty clearly stating is we can walk and chew gum at the same time. We can put policy out there, pass bills, work with the Senate and the White House to get things done, like an infrastructure package, like going after pharmaceutical companies, like trying to raise a minimum wage, passing the elections and campaign finance and ethics reform bill. But we can also do the proper oversight that hasn't happened for the last two years. Paul Ryan has been completely remiss at his job in the House in Mitch McConnell in the Senate of having any kind of oversight. So whether it be um, some of the personal financial dealings that Robert Mueller is not looking at or anything else, I think between three main committees, intelligence, judiciary, and oversight and government forum, they're going to do plenty. Plus, I think you know, every committee is going to do oversight uh, when it comes to agencies and specific issues. So I don't think anyone's off the list because you're the president's child. You're on the list. That's reassuring. <laughs> That's for sure. Len in Woodmere, New York, here on the air with Congressman Pokin. Hi. The conversation about taxes always seems to turn red states off to the Democrats. And I was always proposing when I get a chance to speak with someone a, a whole different way of looking at taxes, you know. They knocked out the state and local deduction, except for the first $10,000. But, you know, the IRS, the federal government, to even out the whole playing field, 
and turn off people to thinking that, you know, they want to be in a low-tax state would be to give people a full credit for up to 10% of whatever their tax bill is to the IRS. So, for example, in New York, let's say you had a 12% tax because you're making a lot of money, you could still deduct as a credit 10% of the tax you paid against your federal tax. And, you know, this way, state and local governments would be able to get a lot of revenue. Like they always say, they want to give control to the state. They'd have more money to pay for schools and everything. And it would even out the playing field so that you wouldn't have one state fighting against the other to try and get people to move there because their taxes are lower. And obviously their services are lower and everything else about the state is lower. Congressman? Yeah, Len, I hear you. I think, you know, my main concern about what happened in that tax bill is not so much that now we're going to work around that framework is that we undo the framework completely. You know, lowering the corporate rate so much, lowering the rate on the wealthiest so much is having an impact on everyone else. 83% of the money goes to the top 1% in 10 years. And that's a real problem. And rather than working around that, I'd rather try to dismantle parts of it and go back to something that makes sense. One part that people don't know about, Tom, and I think it's really important, is a lot of people are going to have increases. I was talking to some union electricians in both Iowa and Minnesota during the campaigns, and one said, you know, they've lost their now ability to deduct when they travel, their tools, their union dues, for example. And he had his accountant run under the new Republican law the same amount of money he made the past year, and he's going to have a $3,000 tax increase because of it. So we've always been told that everyone's going to somehow gain on this, and yet the reality is the very, very wealthy, the people who can afford to go to Mar-a-Lago, will do quite well, but the rest of us, not so much, and in many cases, people are going to pay more. So let's not work around their framework. Let's go back to having something that makes more sense. Yeah, in fact, I'd like to blow it up all the way back to Reagan's first tax cut. As would I. (laughs) Yeah. You just reminded me that uh, after the tax bill passed, Donald Trump walked into the dining room at Mar-a-Lago and said, hey, I made all you guys just a whole lot richer. And this is after he campaigned on raising his own taxes. How gullible are Trump voters that, I mean, is Fox even trying to spin this? I don't get it. I think as long as a percent of them are happy with the rhetoric around black and brown people, they don't care what you do to them, unfortunately, and that's a big chunk of what's left of Trump's base. But that is the classic. I mean, this was done for Republican donors, people who belong to Mar-a-Lago, and the very wealthiest in the country, the top 1%. Laura in Maple Valley, Washington, you're on the air with Congressman Pocan. Good morning, gentlemen. So, um, Congressman, I noticed that you mentioned there's a lot of Republicans who lost the election who are not showing up. I'm afraid mine might be one of those, Representative Dave Reichert from out here in Washington. I can't get a hold of him. His office numbers are closed. It's very frustrating because I would like to comment on some of these things going on in the House right now. Specifically, the appropriations bill. Has that been completed? And can't we dismantle the huge increase to the military budget that was put through last year? So two things. First of all, on the second part, the appropriations is what we were talking about with the government shutdown. I think ultimately it's a few, I think there's seven of the agencies that are left or something like that, that we're trying to wrap up. Republicans are still going to be in control of this budget process, even though we have a good number of Democrats. I don't think you're going to be able to see some big sweeping changes, but what we don't want to see is funding for the wall. We've been very, very clear on that. So my guess is uh, we're going to come out of this with something that looks more like a continuing resolution that continues things the way they currently fund in a very big way. So I think that's what's going to happen. So the first part, just so you know, one of the tough parts, and it is true for someone who loses Congress, almost immediately you're kicked out of your office and you're in a group office and you're, you don't really have a place for you and all your staff because they have to start bringing and getting members' offices ready for the incoming members. a little different than the Senate where you can stay there for months after and they slowly bring folks in in the House almost immediately. So if you don't get a hold of your member via phone, uh, still use the email. Someone will be able to get that. It just might be harder via phone to get a hold of someone for a very fair reason, that the official structure moves people around a lot. And I just want you to know how to still be effective in reaching out to them via email. What about the local offices? I asked because I was going to, as a call for action, that about Bob Goodlatte, the Republican from Virginia, he lost. But he is blocking this bill called Savannah's Act that would require the Department of Justice to train law enforcement agencies to record tribal enrollment information and crime information databases because Native American women are being murdered at 10 times the national average. This is a national crisis. And it you know, passed the Senate, I believe, very easily. 
Yeah, had sailed through the Senate. And the one guy in the U.S. House of Representatives uh, who is uh, will be until the end of the year, the chair of the House Judiciary Committee, Bob Goodlatte, is blocking this. Uh, is he a, I don't know if he's a bigot or is somebody's paying him off or what the deal is, but I mean, should people call his local offices? Are those open or, I mean, how do you protest? You know, he's, the Congress is, is going to be in session this week. You know what? Yeah. See, well, so we're technically we're not even calendared, right? I mean, this is because of the incompetence of the Republicans, why we've had to extend even to this point to try to finish our work that should have been done a week ago Friday. You can try local offices, and you probably are going to have a little bit better, but just so you know, also around this time of year, a lot of offices start shutting down because we do get diminished contacts and people are taking vacations. And so, you know, email is still probably, there is a live person somewhere that will get an email. So, you know, that may be your best bet. If you try the phone call and you're not getting through, try an email. It definitely will get through. But in most cases, that only works if you live in the district. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, okay. What are your thoughts on what Goodlad is doing or on Savannah's Act? Are you familiar with it? Yeah, a little bit. And, you know, it's through his committee. He's a chair. What's interesting is I kind of referenced earlier, Tom, I've had two calls in the last week from people saying something is being held up by a Democrat on a committee, which we're not in charge right now. So this is Paul Ryan not being able to corral his members to pass legislation or a Republican chair not liking it and not wanting to move it forward. And they're trying to blame the other party. So I've had to deal with that on a couple fronts. They, they have a small calendar for the week besides what we have to get done. But it's really due to Paul Ryan not knowing how to be speaker. That's amazing. After all these years. Cody in Davenport, Iowa, you're on the air with Congressman Pocan. I just had a question about what the congressman thought as far as prospects for the Equality Act passing in the next Congress. Great question, Cody. So the Equality Act, just for, so everyone knows, is basically everything, and everything said a little bit loosely, but most of the comprehensive non-discrimination for uh, LGBT community that you could have uh, since you have marriage equality, it's everything else, right? Because you can get married on a Saturday and in the majority of states on a Monday get fired uh, from your job or lose your housing uh, because of discrimination against LGBT individuals. The Equality Act deals with that and many other aspects of the law. I think all but two Democrats in the current House makeup are uh, sponsors of the bill, so I think there's an excellent chance uh, it'll pass the House. And I would even think a, a good chance it'll pass uh, in the Senate. I think that, you know, we, there's enough reasonable folks that we can work on an issue like this that we could try to move it forward. So I think that's where our hurdle could possibly be is in the Senate. But in the House, uh, I'm quite sure that Nancy Pelosi as Speaker will take that bill up and we will have a strong bipartisan vote coming out of the House on it. Jerry watching us on Free Speech TV in Rochester, Washington. You're on the Earth Congress from Pocan. Yeah, Congressman Pocan, I just had a question. It's kind of self-service. But I have a pension, and I also uh, get Social Security. Uh, my brother and other people that I know just get Social Security, and they're not taxed for the Social Security, but they not only tax my pension, they add my Social Security to it and tax the whole thing. I'm a senior, and I still live in my home, but I'm just wondering why I'm getting hit twice. One of Reagan's big reforms was to make Social Security income taxable. So probably Jerry's friends who aren't paying taxes on their Social Security income are getting so little that they fall into the zero tax category or such a low tax category that it, it's meaningless to them. Whereas Jerry, because he's got a pension, which yeah, is also taxable, his income is high enough that he's starting to notice that he's paying taxes. Gotcha. I hope one of the things that we do is take the issue of retirement and pension very, very seriously. The select committee that was formed, the, or the joint committee that was formed this year, did not come up with a solution for the people who have the multi-employer plans. But it's not just multi-employer plans that are going away. It's, it's in general, too many people are living on Social Security alone or Social Security in their home. And it's going to be a crisis if we don't deal with it in the next two years. Yeah, and I think we should reverse Reagan's policy and make it non-taxable. Wayne in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, you're on the air with Congressman Pocan. Hi, Tom and Congressman Pocan. We all know that there's like a deep-seated distrust of the institutions and uh, low approval ratings inside the beltway of Congress and the other institutions. And I have a suggestion to change that perception right off the bat, first week of January, that, uh, you know, like the Democrats are the new sheriff in town. For example, just having like a, con con a congressional hearing or town hall meeting outside the beltway. Like, for, for example, H.R. 1 dealing with voter election reform, 
have like a, a uh, prime time uh, hearing town hall meeting in Georgia where we have uh, uh-huh. election irregularities and have it in prime time on the tube and on the internet where we can ask questions and have some education going on. Yeah, and actually, Wayne, I I think that's going to happen. Other than the prime time part, I can't control that, but uh, we plan on going on the road and doing a lot of these hearings for lots of our committees. Uh, Republicans have been afraid to have town halls because people don't agree with them on the issues. We're the opposite. We want to go around and hear from people, and you'll see that happen with the new Congress. Aaron in Henderson, Nevada, you're on the air with Congressman Pocan. Hello, Congressman. This is Aaron from uh, Nevada. I just had a couple questions. Money in politics, I believe, has a large role in policies getting passed and not passed. So I just wondered how you felt about those things. First bill that's going to come out of Congress, H.R. 1, is going to be a bill that does campaign finance, electoral, and ethics reform. I think everyone will be happy. It's going to be a bill that hopefully we can get all the Democrats to support. But right now we've been drafting it. John Sarbanes has taken the lead on it. It's going to be a, a good, strong look at what we need to do, and I think it's a good way to show the path forward. So H.R. 1 will be the top priority that we're putting forward as Democrats in Congress. Sharice in Polsbo, Washington. You're on the air with Congressman Pocan. Hi. I don't understand why big businesses and corporations or even medium-sized businesses wouldn't be the first people lobbying Congress for universal health care because they'd be able to take that expense off their balance sheet. Universal health care, and I don't understand why corporations aren't just lobbying hard for that. This is something I know we've had a conversation on this program about, you know, the amount of health care going into an auto and whether it's made in Michigan or across the waterway in Canada, the health care is more than the price of steel going into a car. At least that was a stat that was true uh, a couple years back. That's pretty alarming. You'd think that they would see that as a benefit to be able to save that kind of money by having a system that would work. So I, I do agree. I think that's something every small business, the money we put towards health care, we're able to put back into the business, reinvest, hire more people. That would spur the economy. Also, I have talked to people who run insurance companies who've told me because of the cost and unpredictability of health care costs, especially pharmaceuticals, that it's not one of the more profitable areas. And even if they see this is an area that would might make more sense to do like Canada and Europe and other very civilized parts of the world who get that this is something their citizenry should have. So your point and that additional point are two very strong points we should be making when we talk about a Medicare for all or a single payer system. You're listening to Tom Hartman. You spend every day in your office chair. That's over 2,000 hours a year. So if you're spending all that time in the wrong chair, is it any wonder why you're sore and tired at the end of the day? Ditch that no-name, one-size-fits-all superstore chair and trade up to the X chair. When you feel the X chair difference, you'll understand. My X chair is the most stylish chair I've ever owned. Trust me, this is not your grandfather's office chair. Switching to the X chair, I'm more productive and have more energy. I love my X chair and you will too. X chair is now on sale for the holidays, so buy one for yourself and one for someone you love. X chair is now on sale for $100 off. So call 844-4X-CHAIR or go to xchairtom.com. That's xchairtom.com now to save 100 bucks. And here's a special deal just for my listeners. Use the promo code TOM, T-H-O-M, and they'll even throw in a free footrest. Go to xchairtom or call 844-4X-CHAIR and use the code TOM for a free footrest. That's xchairtom.com, 844-4X-CHAIR. Jane in Oak Park, Illinois. You're on the air with Congressman Pocan. Oh, hi, gentlemen. I want to thank you both. I consider you heroes. I cannot put into words how much I appreciate your work, both of you. My question is, given that this administration is so corrupt and the word mobocracy, I have heard, and if it, this election was, was gained through um, treason, can there be open discussion of recalling the appointments from Betsy DeVos all the way to Supreme Court justices. And I'm particularly concerned about the federal judges that are being placed throughout this time. Could the American people call for a recalling of illegitimate positions? Yeah, Jean, I don't know if we have a formal recall process for that, but 
my guess is that as the Mueller report is wrapping up, and it very clearly is, and we do more investigations, there are a number of tools that the president can do to try to delay whatever uh, may be happening. And it may be more looking at him either not running or leaving office or being forced out of office that's going to affect things more than being able to go back after some of the decisions. But be assured that a lot of the oversight we're going to do are over some of these terrible appointments. I mean, Betsy DeVos has been an embarrassment on multiple levels. Uh, she will be coming before my subcommittee on appropriations, the Labor Human Services Education Subcommittee. I'm guessing a number of times her and her department uh, in the coming year, and we'll get to uh, the bottom of much of what they're doing. But I don't think there's specifically a recall process within the law, but I think we all can tell uh, when the president starts calling people rats and, like you said, a mobocracy, it unfortunately is more and more true every day with this administration. Steve in Huntersville, North Carolina, you're on the air with Congressman Pokian. Two laws I'd like to recommend and get your opinions on. The first one being, is it likely that we can see a law requiring all candidates running for federal and state office to release their tax records for like 25 years, if possible. And then the other, in advertisement, requiring all parties that are advertising for political purposes to disclose if they're receiving foreign funds, even $1, hmm. that, that, that it needs to be disclosed and attached. Like if an ad is run, that it needs to be attached to that ad at the end, where also, you know, that, that whatever company or entity is, is donating money to this campaign, that that message needs to be heard and disclosed with the advertisement. And then just for fun, if we could uh, have a, a federal uh, prison or facility renamed the Donald J. Trump Family Correction Center. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Steve. I, I like that. Um, so uh, I, I think you, know, you could do any law as far as requiring uh, tax returns to be released. I do think 25 years, though, probably is difficult. If you think about your own ability to have 25 years with taxes, that may be a little bit much, but the fact that this president won't show him, um, you know, again, tells us a lot. And I think uh, through the hearing process, we'll get some of that information and be able to share it with the public. On the second part, uh, that is one of the parts, there is some provisions around foreign um, donations to campaigns. Specifically, I think that is part of H.R. 1, plus there's other legislation also around that. So uh, absolutely, there will be some movement on that, whether it be disclosure on ads or really going after whether or not that money uh, should be able to come into campaigns, period. Uh, I think you can look for that in the next Congress. And and no chance for the Donald J. Trump and family memorial penitentiary? I, I think we're going to put that in the wishful thinking. <laughs> okay. Paul at Arroyo Hondo, New Mexico. You're on the air with Congressman Pocan. Hey, Congressman. Thanks so much for what you're doing here. Um, is there any plan to push back on the onerous legislation against our postal service? It seems like the Republicans can just do these horrible things, and then there's no pushback. Yeah, Paul, great point. First of all, we've been fortunate, at least in the six years I've been there, especially when Daryl Issa was pushing this stuff to try to privatize the post office. You know, going back to the Bush days, there was a provision that many people know, um, you pre-fund your benefits for the Postal Service 75 years into the future. No other agency is required to do that. No business would do that. And yet uh, they've been required to, which is why their numbers have been bad. And people have used that to try to justify privatizing the system. Fortunately, none of that legislation was able to move through because, let's face it, that is the Postal Service is one of the things people rely on the most and appreciate the service for. Now the question is, what can we do to make it even stronger? And I think we do have some necessary things we need to do. And hopefully in the next Congress, uh, we can take that on. And I would love to find a way to get rid of that 75-year pre-requirement. We would still have to get it through the Senate and the White House, but absolutely should be part of a conversation. Denise in Calumet, Michigan. You're on the air with Congressman Pocan. Hi, Congressman Pocan. Thanks, Tom, for taking my call. I don't think big corporations care if there's universal health care because, like in Michigan, they only give the Affordable Care Act to the people that are working for big corporations because they're making such small wages. The first thing they do is send them on Human Resources Day to learn how to get government benefits such as health care and food stamps and stuff just to survive. So I, I think, you know, the people are the ones that really, really are pushing for it, and I don't think the corporations are going to help. But we yeah, need it. Denise, what we've been arguing is businesses who pay for health insurance, which are many of the bigger businesses, if that comes off their bottom line, they would be better off with a single-payer system that would keep them more competitive. So we're not saying they're for the affordable Care Act, per se. They might be for 
a single-payer or a Medicare for All system because currently uh, many of those businesses pay for the health insurance. The type of businesses you're referring to are like the Walmarts of the world, right, where we know that they don't provide the benefits and that they help people figure out how to scam individual systems to get benefits. So even though they're working, we're subsidizing them uh, through our tax dollars because that company isn't living up to what it needs to. So uh, I think what we've been talking about when we talk about this is Ford Motor Company, GM, others that provide health care part of a benefits package, but wouldn't they be better off if that money didn't have to go there? Uh, wouldn't that help stimulate their businesses even more? And that should be an argument towards moving towards a Medicare for All system. I'm curious your thoughts on what we should be doing as citizen activists in the next week until we hear from you again. The activity will all happen in the next few days. So follow it closely and contact your members of Congress because this is going to be where I think we will finish um, this week and next week, uh, I think many offices actually will be shut down, period. So you might have a little pause from the politics. Uh, Donald Trump will be golfing. But this week, uh, the next few days, let's make sure we get a budget and don't shut down the government and make sure they don't pull in any shenanigans in the last few days either. I'm curious in our last six seconds, do you have any favorites for the, for the Democratic primary for president? Oh, my God. I feel like all these polls are so early and so meaningless because they're so early. I've tried not to spend too much time on it yet. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes perfect sense. Congressman, thanks so much for dropping by today. Absolutely. Thank you, Tom, as always. Great talking with you, and, and Merry Christmas to you and Phil. I hope you have a wonderful holiday season. You and Louise and all your listeners. Thanks, and we'll talk thank to you, you next week. Congressman Mark Pocan with us. His website, pocan.house.gov. You can tweet him at repmarkpocan. You're listening to Tom Hartman. Mike in Fresno, California, watching us on Free Speech TV. Hey, Mike, what's up? Three quick bullet points. Pardon the pun. The AR-15 travels at 3,000 feet per second. The Thompson machine gun only travels at 900 feet per second. The point is the bullet comes out and starts tumbling, and the amount of damage it does in the tissue is tremendous. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm begging you to uh, have somebody on your staff go, go onto the Internet and look up the wound channel where they shoot these bullets into ballistics gel and see the tremendous damage that these things can no, do. No, I'm, I'm very familiar Final. with it, Mike. Yeah. And, 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 the, and the energy that is imparted when a bullet hits something, the amount of energy is a function both of the mass of the bullet and the velocity of the bullet. And as you correctly point out, the velocity of a bullet coming out of an AR-15 is about three times that of, uh, you know, typical uh, weapons of that type. I just got back from Las Vegas where I took my wife to a, a gun range and we shot the M16. Mm -hmm. When we got the target, the bullets... Some of the bullets went through the target sideways. Wow. So the amount of damage with a bullet going into you sideways magnifies the amount of harm it can do. Oh, yeah. Final point. I really would love for you to get a doctor, surgeon that had to work on these patients because I've seen it on TV, and they talk about the horrendous damage that these high-velocity weapons have, and now they're manufacturing bullets that are intentionally designed to fragment upon uh, hitting a target. Right. And yeah, these are no, the, I, these I used to be called cop killer bullets. bullets. Yeah. No, these aren't even cop killers. They're they're selling them at the gun stores for the deer hunters that are really really bad. Oh wow! You can't hit a deer. Use these bullets because they'll fragment and they'll take the deer down. And, and these are the same bullets that are for the AR-15. Amazing. Amazing. Mike, thanks for the uh, for the heads up and for the information. I appreciate it. John in Buffalo, New York. I had looked into bump stocks sometime back, mm -hmm. and they tout the fact that they will fire 7 to 750 rounds per minute. And that's pretty much compatible with what military automatic weapons do. Right, and there's no way you can pull your finger that fast. And if you're firing a semi-automatic weapon, there's no way that you can fire, you can pull your finger that fast. That's why people are buying bump stocks. Right, and they and they fire as fast as uh, uh, between they tout them as 700, 750 rounds per minute. That's amazing. I didn't know the actual uh, number, but uh, I think that would be an argument that could be used against them uh, in, instead of the mechanical aspects. It's just the rate of fire. I mean, yeah, that's about that's about ten shots a second. I mean, there's you you can't even move your finger ten ten times a second. 
it's yeah. it's uh, it's just physically impossible. That's that's why these bump stocks are used by mass murderers. John, thank yep. you for the call. Carmen in Philadelphia. Hey, Carmen, what's on your mind today? Well, Tom, I was thinking about what the young what you said earlier about the young man being stopped and his money was taken by the police. Yeah, the $149,000 was taken off. A fellow who's, you know, he's, he's quite wealthy, but he's black, and so he was driving through Oklahoma, and the cops thought, aha! Yeah, well, you know, truthfully speaking, Tom, you know, I'm, I'm 65 years old, and it seems like it doesn't matter what a black person's financial status is, what their education is, even their age or gender. When I go to a Bruce Springsteen concert, I mean, you should see the expressions on people's faces like, you're not supposed to be here. Really? Wow. Yeah. Or, I mean, I'm really tired of it. I'm 65 years old. I'm retired. I mind my own business. I pay my bills on time. But I'm still looked at because I'm brown-skinned and have dreadlocks like I'm some sort of troublemaking thug. I still get followed in stores. I, you know, it's just sickening. Yeah. It really is sickening, and I wish people would take the blinders off and accept people for their character, mm-hmm. not because of skin color or the texture of their hair. It's really frustrating. People don't understand when I tell some of my wife, wife friends, and, they, and they're like, oh, it can't be that bad. Yeah, well, you're not, you were not raised. You never had to, excuse me, you were not raised to realize that there are people in this world who are going to hate you because of the color of your skin and nothing more. Yeah. And thanks for letting me vent a little bit. Well, Tom, that really ticked me off when, I, when you mentioned about what happened to that young man in Oklahoma. Yeah. And, and, and Carmen, this is a poison in the, in the bloodstream of white people. Obviously, it's devastating uh, people of color in this country. Um, I, I think this is this is devastating our nation, and white people have to own up to this, and white people have to recognize this and understand it, and hear your voice, Carmen, and do something yes. about it. Oh yes, you are absolutely right. Now, so much, you know. Now, I'm thankful that there are some people who I can consider friends who listen to me and say, "Well, I can't relate to what you're going through, but I feel so terrible that people still are that." Freaking narrow-minded. Yeah, uh, put me in that category. Carmen, thank you so much for the call. It's great to hear from you. I really appreciate it. And uh, this is this is real. St- I mean, this is real life. That people in our country, Americans, are having to put up with this crap. It's nuts. Anyhow, we'll be back tomorrow, same time, same place. In the meantime, don't forget, democracy is not a spectator sport. It requires you. So, pitch in, help out, show up. Tag, you're it. We'll see you tomorrow. You've been listening to Tom Hartman. For audio and video archives, visit TomHartman.com.